you remain standing with me as we read God's word? It comes from Jeremiah chapter 31. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I have made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand, bringing them from the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor to look each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And you may be seated. Did you hear that? You can know God. You can know God, the real God, the one who made everything, who invented you, you can actually know him. Now, I I know what some of you are thinking, and I I don't blame you for this at all. Um, Some of you are like, I mean, whether you're a Christian or not, maybe you're even like, I mean, isn't that just kind of something Christians say? Right, just like this silly cliche that nobody actually believes, like, a, like an overpromise, you know, but nobody, nobody really experiences it, that we can know God. Or, or maybe you think of it like, you know, bad Christian art, that's what comes to mind. Like, <laughs> is that what we're talking about? It's touching, isn't it? Here's another good one. Oh, Yes. Sorry if you have that hanging in your, in your house. Um, like, is that, is that what we mean? We say, well, you can could, you could know God, right? Or, or maybe, maybe you hear that, and, and your, your brain automatically translates it into something that at least feels more achievable, that you can know about God, right? And so, yeah, okay, you've, you've read a few books, right? You know some theology. You've, you've looked at the Bible before. Uh, and, and maybe you think, well... I've been collecting stuff, information about God for a long time. Is that, is that what we mean? I mean, I've been reading a lot lately on the life of Theodore Roosevelt. I love that guy, TR, as I like to call him. But if I told you that I knew him, come on, right? You can know a whole lot about God and not know him. In fact, this is one of the greatest temptations for pastors, right? Of course I know God. I talk about him all the time, right? But do I? Let me, let me say it again. You, according, according to the promise we just heard read, you can know God. Intimately, personally, truly, you. And maybe, maybe that sounds ridiculous, or just plain impossible. Just for a moment, though, would you push aside some of the skepticism? And let's just say you can. Do you want to know him? Now, it sure seems like Jeremiah knew God. We've been studying Jeremiah together as a church for the last know, month and a half or so. And Jeremiah, like, it's, it's pretty clear. Like, Jeremiah knows 
God, right? And the life that Jeremiah has been describing for us, the picture that he paints, the life that we long for, we've said from the start, it's just too big for us. We can't, we can't do it on our own. And the same is true when it comes to knowing God. And so let me, let me pray for us. I'll ask for his help, and then we'll jump in to these words. Let's pray together. God, we need your help. We want to know you. I think, I think we do, or at least most of us have something within us, like a longing to, to, to know you. I think that's there. And so God, I pray that we would come eager to learn how um, and to know, um, to see the ways that you're reaching out to us, to reveal yourself to us. Thank you for these ancient words from Jeremiah. God, I pray that we would be changed by them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a Bible with you, turn to Jeremiah 31. <laughs> Jeremiah 31. So if you, if you want to know God, not, not the God we often imagine, right? The sort of the make-believe fairy in the sky, the genie that exists for our, our purposes, but like the real God. Like if, if you want to, to know him, there, there are three truths that jump out to me from the, this passage, these promises <laughs> today. Three things in particular. First of all, you can't know God without a covenant. Strange, I know. You can't know God unless he does the work. And third, you can't know God unless you respond to him. So let's, let's start off with the weirdest one. Feels like the place to go. Um, it's weird, right? You can't know God without a covenant. I mean, what, what is a covenant, right? I mean, it's not a word we often, we often even use. I mean, maybe you have some sort of you know, vague idea of, of what that is. But, but essentially, a covenant, I mean, it's common throughout Scripture. But a covenant is, it's like, it's like a promise, a mutual partnership or, or relationship, almost like a contract. And without one of these covenants, you will never know God. Verse 31, for example, Jeremiah says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Okay, well, I'm not Jewish, right? So that, that doesn't re- re- apply to me, does it? I mean, maybe that, that, that describes you, you think that when you, well, house of Israel, I mean, that's not, that's not me, but, but we see elsewhere in Jeremiah, we see also uh, throughout the Old Testament, and especially once we get to the New Testament, we see that, that anyone with faith like Abraham, right, who's the father of the Jewish people, anyone with that kind of faith is welcome to enter into this, this new covenant. But I, but I realize the idea of covenants, I mean, it's a little bit strange uh, to help us here. Let's, let's watch. If you've been around Christians, you've probably heard of the idea of having a personal relationship with God, which could mean different things in the Bible, like having God as a friend, or your father, or maybe your teacher. But there's one particular way that the Bible talks about this relationship that you find all over. But strangely, we don't talk about it that much, and that's the idea of a partnership with God. A partnership like working alongside someone to accomplish a goal together. Right, and this is actually what you see at the beginning of the Bible. God creates this good world full of all of this potential. And then God appoints these unique creatures, humans, as his partners in bringing more and more goodness out of all that potential. But the humans don't want to partner with God. They rebel and try to create a world on their own terms. 
And so this broken partnership is the Bible's explanation for why we're stuck in a world of corruption and injustice and the tragedy of death. It's not like there's just one or two humans who have bailed on this relationship. In the story of the Bible, everyone has abandoned the partnership with God. So what God does is select a smaller group of people out of the many, and he makes a new partnership with them called a covenant. And in a covenant, God makes promises, and then in exchange asks his partner to fulfill certain commitments. And the purpose of all of this is to somehow use this covenant relationship to renew his partnership with everybody else. Now, there are actually four times in the Old Testament that we're told God initiates a covenant relationship with Noah, Abraham, the nation of Israel, and King David. And it's through these that God is forming a covenant family into which all people will eventually be invited. So those are the four covenants that God makes in order to restore his partnership with the whole world. But here's what happens. Israel breaks the covenant. They worship other gods, they allow horrible injustice, and so they lose their land and are forced off into exile. So it seems hopeless. But during this time, Israel's prophets talked about a day when God would restore these covenants in spite of Israel's failure, somehow. Yeah, they called it the new covenant. And this is actually what's so interesting about Jesus, is that he's introduced into this story as the one who fulfills all of these covenant relationships. So that's, that's a little background, just, just in the, the understanding of, of covenants, right? From the garden all the way to Jesus. This is an important way in which we see God reveals himself in relationship to, to his people. But it doesn't really answer the question of why. Like, why, why do we humans need a covenant in order to know God? Well, you, you see, there, there are really just two types of, of relationships, I mean, there are lots of gradations within these, but really just two broad types. There are consumer relationships and there are covenant relationships. And you and I, we have lots of both of these, right? We have plenty of consumer relationships. I, my relationship with Netflix and Amazon are consumer relationships. Right? And with the, the, the cashier, right, at the grocery store, or frankly, if we're honest, with certain friends and acquaintances. They're, they're relationships that are based on what I, what I get, right? We all have those. It's not all bad, right? We just, we have consumer relationships. And then there are, there are covenant relationships. And again, there are gradations within these, but a covenant relationship is a relationship in which the relationship is the most important thing, not what we get out of it. Which, which means you stay in a covenant relationship even when you don't feel like it, right? Even when you feel like you're, like you're done. That's why there's such a, a vast difference between being married and living together. And if you, if you think you can know God as a consumer on your terms, you know, maybe we'll just live together for a little while and try things out, I guess it's not going to work. Besides, relationships always thrive best when there's definition, Right? And we know that from any relation. When there's, when there's clear expectations of, of what's being asked of me and what's being asked of the, the other person in, in the relation, it always works best when there's definition. It's like, uh, I'm going to date myself here. Some of you uh, will know this reference, but like that episode of Seinfeld uh, where Kramer gets fired from a job he doesn't have. You remember this, <laughs> right? Right? And he's, he's sitting there at the desk and he's been like showing up at his office for like a couple of weeks or something. Uh, and, and the boss says to him, I'm sorry, there's just no way we can keep you on. And Kramer says, but I don't even really work here. 
And then the boss says, that's what makes this so difficult, right? Like, how do you fire somebody that you have no relationship with? Relationships need definition. All of them do. And all meaningful relationships, like any meaningful relationship in your life and mine, it comes with commitments, obligations, expectations. I mean, to get married, that's a covenant relationship. You have to say, I do. You enter into this contract with another person. And part of that contract, there's a lot of other things in it, but a lot, part of it is I will not sleep around, right? And some of you, some of you know the betrayal like what that does to that relationship when that is broken, it's absolutely disastrous. Or, or the, the parent-child relationship, that's, another, that's a covenant relationship. There's no formal contract, but believe me, there's a covenant, right? Like there's expectations that you're going you're gonna to love and provide and protect. And if you don't keep your end of the covenant, the state can take your kids away, right? And of course, too, there's the, the pain that happens later in life if those relationships fracture. And even, even within friendships, right? Real friendships, I mean, yeah, not a contract, but there are rules, aren't there? Like in Stranger Things, right? Friends don't lie, right? There's a code that we follow, promises and commitments. And when it comes to God, we get to know him on his terms or not at all. But here, here's the problem. We're lousy at covenants, you and me, right? I mean, you saw it up there in the video. Like, we break all of them. We, we can't keep our end of the deal. We're, we're, too, we're too broken. So look back at Jeremiah, again, verse 31. God, again, he's the one speaking. He says, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. And the house of Judah, not like the, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. I mean, see the tenderness as God makes that covenant, right? My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. And maybe, maybe you've been with us these last, you know, month and a half in Jeremiah. Maybe one of the things you've been wondering is like, why is God so upset with his people, right? Like, what's the big deal? God, why don't you just forgive us already? Let bygones be bygones. But the reality is we had a deal, Right? We're, we're married to him, but we still want to see other people. I mean, try that, right? I mean, don't, right? It's disastrous. We know that. Or, or he's, he's our dad. And you think your kids can be ungrateful, disobedient, smug little, I mean, you know, right? Or he, he's our boss. And yet we have never once fulfilled a single thing that he's asked of us, not fully, not completely. God made a covenant with Israel, promises, and they made commitments. But they haven't kept one of them. Neither have we. And Jeremiah, right, he's sort of caught in the middle, right, between God and his people. And Jeremiah knows it's not working. Like Jeremiah, he's been preaching his heart out for 40 years. Repent, turn from your sins, stop doing that stuff, Right? And basically, nobody listens to him. And then, and then somewhere in the middle of Jeremiah's career as a prophet, I don't know how it works, right, how it happened, but off in the distance, God shows him that there's a, there's a new covenant coming, a, a, new, a new promise, one that we 
humans could actually keep and we could know him. But God would have to do all that work for us, in us. And really, that's, that's the second thing here. We can't know God without a covenant, but we're lousy at covenants. But we need a solution. Here it is. You can't know God unless he does the work. You can't, you can't know him unless he's willing to do the heavy lifting. And this, like this is the promise of the new covenant. Okay, so that, that phrase, new covenant, it only appears here in, in the Old Testament. It's the only place here in Jeremiah uh, where new covenant is referred to. Other places, other prophets talk about it coming. They call it an everlasting covenant. It's the same, same idea. Uh, but when we get to the New Testament, it's all over the place, this idea of new covenant. And in fact, so much so that, I mean, testament is just the Greek translation for the Hebrew word covenant. So the back, the back half of your Bible, all that stuff about Jesus, it's... It's called the New Covenant. That's its name. Which means this covenant, these promises are ours or can be through Christ. And every, every covenant comes with promises and commitments. And so what are, the, what are the terms of this new covenant? What is God promising to do? Well, there, there are three things in particular here. Big promises from God. He's offering us new hearts, new intimacy, and new forgiveness. Well, let's, let's talk for a second about each of these because new hearts, I mean, this is so important. Because God, I mean, he's like, you, I mean, he's been doing this for a while with humans, right? He's like, guys, you, you're lousy at obeying me. Like, like your hearts are so broken, right? And he's, he's right, right? We know this. We're fundamentally selfish, right? I don't think any of us would deny that. We... And we know how to hurt people, right? And ourselves. We're pretty good at it. And so now God says to his people, verse 33, he says, here's the solution. I will put my law within them. My rules, my good rules. And I will write it on their hearts. But don't, don't miss this. Because it's not, it's not that God like, lowers his expectations when he gets to the new covenant. Like, oh, these humans... Got to lower the bar a little bit. Less rules, more forgiveness. Uh, we'll just, I'll turn, I'll turn, turn away. Uh, you know, I'll let bygones be, be God. That's not what's happening, not at all in this new covenant. The new covenant is not new in its demands. It's new in its effectiveness. This one, God is going to enable us to actually keep. I mean, God expects, same as what he's always expected, allegiance to him, ultimately, but now he's going to give us the ability to do it. Friends, you and I, we don't need more laws or less. Uh, we don't need better tactics at trying harder. Like what we need are new hearts. Hearts that actually want to follow this God, that are ready to obey, that can truly know him. And that, that really is the second thing, this, this new intimacy, Right? New intimacy, like a new family, a new home, a new identity, a new sense of, of belonging. And from the least to the greatest, Jeremiah says, verse 33, I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother or sister saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. 
from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. You can know God. And that those in the covenant, this, this idea of like, you know, of no need to, to teach one another. It's not, that, it's not that there's not still things to be learned or, or grown in. in this. It's, it's more like the, the constant need for reminding each other, hey, don't forget about God, right? As, as you live your life, like don't forget that he's, that he's real, that he's pursuing you. Like that, that will come second nature is what, is what Jeremiah is saying, what God is promising here. And that there won't be a hierarchy. I mean, this idea of from the least to the greatest, this is, this is important. Like you don't need an expert to get to know God. Priest, a pastor, a prophet. Like, you can do that without me, right? You can go to God directly and know Him. And a new forgiveness, a release from our sins and divine forgetfulness. Look at verse 34. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. That's a lot of sins, people. And it's not that God just has a lousy memory. Man, he's so forgetful. Like he lost his keys and our sins, you know. It's not, it's not the idea here, not at all. What this, what this means, though, is that when he thinks of us, it's no longer our sins that define us. Like all the dirt that God has on you, and let's be honest, man, that's a lot of dirt. But in this covenant, he sweeps it all away and then tosses away the broom. As far as the east is from the west, that's how deep his forgiveness goes. I mean, even an example of this, back in, in chapter 17, so this is uh, quite a few chapters earlier, and I think Jeremiah, like he's using the same language here intentionally. But God said to Jeremiah there, he says, the sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, with a point of diamond, it is engraved on the tablet of their heart. That's what their sin is right here, tattooed across them. It says shame, regret, failure. But Jeremiah is saying that in this new covenant, God is going to scrub that clean with his own blood. And he's going to write a new word there. Goodness, loved, mine. His good rules for human flourishing and an ability to actually keep them. And if these promises are true, then you can know God. Of course, I know what many of you are thinking. I've been thinking it most of this week. I mean, if this is the promise that God is offering to us, then why am I still such a mess? Like anybody else feeling that? It's like, well, this is, this is great. My heart still likes to do its own thing most of the time, right? And this, this intimacy that Jeremiah describes, it's like, it sounds great. Maybe I've, maybe I've had a little bit of it, but I don't, I don't feel it like, like that. And shame, at least it, it feels like my shame still defines me oftentimes. So tell me, am I doing something wrong or is God? And the, the easiest thing to, to say in response to that would be like, well, that's because you're not dead yet, Sorry. You have to wait a little longer. But this is, this is ultimately a picture of when, when Jesus returns, right? Life in the new creation, heaven, and all of that. And I, and, I, and I believe that, that fully, completely, in that time, for those who are his, these promises will be fully, completely ours. And that we won't fully know God until then. But friends, you don't have to wait till you're dead 
to be made new, to be made whole. The cure has begun. And we can know him now, not, not perfectly. And yet these, these promises can take root in us this very moment, if you want them to. Chew the feast, it's yet in store, but already the hors d'oeuvres are being served. Yes, yes, we, we are waiting for the new creation when all will be made right with the world and with myself, with each other. And yet you can be a new creation even today, even in the midst of the old. How? Well, we've, we've looked at the promises of the new covenant. But friends, don't forget about the commitment, right? Our end of the deal. You can, you can know God, but you can't know God without responding to him. It doesn't work. You have to enter his covenant. And I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about earning your salvation or being good enough for God. None of us could possibly even get close. And yet we cannot be passive either. And so if you want to know God, here's, here's how we respond. Let me just give three quick application points. First and most importantly, like it, it has to begin here. You have to commit to his promise. You have to enter this, this covenant. And for some of you, maybe, maybe you think, well, I, I've been trying to change. I, I can't change. I've been trying to know God, and it just feels out of reach. And I mean, there's a lot of things that we can talk about of how, how to achieve that. Maybe, maybe for some of you, it's that you haven't actually said yes to him. You just think you have. You've been playing the part, going to church, trying to be a decent enough human being, thinking that that's all God has for you, and what he wants to do is take dead people and make them alive again. But you have, you have to say yes. You have to enter in through, through faith. I mean, if you reject his covenant, listen, he's chasing you with open arms, no matter what you've done, where you've been. But if you reject him, he owes you nothing. And you will, you will never know him. I mean, you're like a, a wayward child. And yes, your parents love you and they will pursue you and they will do anything possible within their power to win you back. But as long as you keep running, you will never experience their love. Not fully, you just, you can't. Have you said yes to him? I don't mean do you go to church or do you live a decent life, but have you got, come to God with faith, with trust, and said, God, I'm in. I'm yours. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be anything fancy, but you do have to respond. I mean, God, come hell or high water, Right? In my faith and in my doubt, in my failures, in my successes, in sickness and in health, when I'm happy with you and when I'm angry or disappointed in you, nevertheless, I'm still with you. Have you said yes to him? Well, second, if you have, I mean, if you have, you have to stop there. You, or you have to start there. You can't, you can't go on to these next ones. But that, that's, that's the first. Say yes to him. But, but if you've done that, I know many of, you, many of you have, but there's still work to do. Second, you have to do the work of actually getting to know him. Practicing obedience. Like the, that new heart, is, it's taken root, but you, you've got to live into it. 
You've, you've got to build new habits. You have to listen to his spirit. You have to engage in the spiritual disciplines, like going to church weekly. I mean, if, if you want to get to know God, like really know him, but your prayers are sporadic at best, your Bible reading is haphazard, if at all, you show up at church more as a convenience when you want to. I mean, if, if that describes your habits and you say you want to get to know God, you're kidding yourself. We need to practice these things. Not only will those disciplines help you know him, it's in those disciplines that we train our hearts to love the things that he loves and to do what he would actually do so that life with him, this life actually, actually begins to become second nature for us. Get to know him. And finally, most importantly, celebrate the one who fulfills it all. Because here, here is the real miracle of the new covenant. I mean, this is, this is what just continually blows me away that God would do this. In Jesus, our God is the one who makes the promises and he's ultimately the one who keeps our obligation for us. That's what, that's what happens when God becomes man and enters into this world through Jesus. Jesus lives the life that we're terrible at. And he did it perfectly in obedience to his Father. And when he hung on the cross, all of his goodness was given to us. And all of our mess and all of our disappointments and failures, and sin, all of that has been taken up upon him. And so that when God looks at us, if you're his, if you're in this covenant, what God sees is Jesus. In you, all of his goodness and none of our sin. So that even when we fail at these things, even then, God keeps both ends of the deal. He makes us promises. And in our failure, he keeps them for us. If we are a part of this covenant, then you can know God, know him, with love and joy and reverence and celebration, for he has done this for us. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us. I'm not going to do anything I hope that would embarrass you uh, in this moment, but no matter, no matter where you're at today, would you, would you pray this quietly with me? Uh, maybe as a, as a recommitment for many of us, saying, yes, God, I'm in. For others, maybe, maybe it's your first time to say those words to him. Regardless, let me pray but silently pray this with me. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I trust you. Help me trust in you. Forgive me for my failures and help, help me give my life to you. Lord Jesus, here and now today and every day after, I give myself to you fully and completely in good times and in bad. I'm yours. And so help me live with your ways, your good ways written on my heart. And when I fail, help me to still celebrate you as the one who keeps both ends of this promise for me. Thank you, Jesus. And for those of you who aren't ready to pray those words, maybe it's just as simple as praying, God, show me who you are. Show me why I should give myself to you. And help me know what to do next. Amen. It is such a, a good thing to know that, that our God is not just a promise maker, he's a promise keeper. 
that that which he declares, he will bring it to pass. There's the promise we have, the good news of the gospel is the good news of the new covenant. That God is not just making bad people better or, or, or wrong people right, he's making dead people alive. And that is the hope we have. He has not just come to bring us new rules that we might follow him, but he has given us new hearts that we might, for the first time, begin to love the things that God loves. Uh, I wanted to, to read this, this passage from, from the book of 2 Corinthians, uh, which, is, which is Paul's word that truly speaks this reality of what it means to be brought into this new covenant with God. So hear these words as we leave this place together. Brothers and sisters, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. Go in peace. Have a great week and a happy Thanksgiving.